Hi, this is Austin. I just wanted to pop in to give a quick note about the audio quality of the podcast. Long-time listeners will probably agree that the audio quality in this new format is many times better than our previous Block Talk radio show. But we're still working out a few kinks, and those kinks are rather apparent in this episode. There will be a few instances where you'll hear some distortion and a few dropped words throughout the episode, and due to increased audio difficulty, we may sound a bit far away from the microphone at times. We are working hard to find a good setup which will eliminate all of these issues, but until then, we appreciate you sticking with us through the difficulty. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi everyone, this is Gary Bean, welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast, In the Now, episode number 5. LL Research is a non-profit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community, and towards this end has two websites, the archive website llresearch.org and the community website bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for The Raw Contact, and president of LL Research, along with Austin Bridges, an LL Research voted seeker and student of the Law of One. We will be discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final and authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider articulate our own perspective. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble pa- podcast relies on your questions. To do so, you may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary Bean, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Austin and Jim, are you guys ready and on board? Ready. Ready. <laughs> All right, we shall commence forthwith. With Nicholas's question that was submitted via Bring Forth, Nicholas writes... Is there a difference between happiness and joy? Also, assuming you agree there is a difference, how does that relate to our energy centers? 
think I'll take that one first. Um, <clears throat> when considering this question, there's an issue of semantics. People use both of those words very differently, and they have different meanings to different people. But uh, there does seem to be a general delineation in spiritual thought between the two, and I'll try to follow those lines, at least as I understand it. And along those lines, I see happiness as pointing to a condition or a state of mind or a feeling that is dependent upon a desirable configuration of circumstance. I have the desired house, the desired relationship, the desired intoxicant, the desired attention from others, or uh, I have avoided an undesirable situation, and therefore I am experiencing happiness. Things are more or less the way I want them, however temporary that may be. Uh, Happiness tends to have a more shallow connotation in the realm of spiritual thought. Joy, however, on the other hand, isn't dependent upon circumstance. It's always available no matter what may be happening on the surface. Can you take that proposition to its extreme? Is joy present in a prison or in a war? According to mystical understanding, the answer is yes. Uh, In 80.15, Ra says, Even the most unhappy of experiences, shall we say, which seem to occur, seen from the viewpoint of the spirit, may, with the discrimination possible in shadow, be worked with until noon descends upon the adept and positive or service to others illumination has occurred. I think this illumination is a discovery of the real identity, the infinite and eternal self that is behind and beyond all phenomena and as such is untouched by whatever may be occurring within the world, no matter how horrible and horrible that may be. And in discovery of that real identity, there is joy. Um, Consider this statement from Ra in 52 Point eleven, when they say, let us remember that we are all one. This is the great learning teaching. In this unity lies love. This is a great learned teaching. In this unity lies light. This is the fundamental teaching of all planes of existence in materialization. Unity, love, light, and joy. This is the heart of evolution of the spirit. They use the word all as an absolute category. Here, There's no density, there's no octave, there's no experience, good or bad, up and down the range of consciousness that is outside of unity, love, light, and joy. At any level, at any plane, these, they say, are the fundamental teachings. So joy, as distant as it may seem from our vision, is always available. And uh, moving on to the second part of Nicholas's great question, he asked how to analyze these two terms or energies in terms of energy set. Try to be brief. Uh, Happiness, if defined as the seeming fulfillment of personal desire, I would contend that arises from meeting the desires or blockages or imbalances of the lower triad of energy centers, those that contribute most to the construction of the personality shell, red, orange, and yellow ray. Uh, Joy Um, if defined as being synonymous with unity, love, and light, or as being the living experience of unbounded beingness, 
I would contend that joy is associated with the fully activated, opened, balanced, and disciplined being who has moved through the gateway, the indigo ray, to contact intelligent infinity, violet ray. And that's all for my response. Thank you, Nicholas. And Jim, what would you say? I would say ditto. <laughs> um, I'll try to add a little more personality to it. I would agree that the happiness is um, something of a ephemeral quality that is defined differently by different people. Don's great uh, definition or uh, saying was that happiness is not the goal of the incarnation. The goal is to uh, learn and to serve, and if it happens to make you happy along the way, then that's a nice uh, outcome of it. But I think that he would also agree with you, Gary, that the concept of joy is more what would come when we are able to discover those lessons we've come here to learn and the services we've come here to offer that there's something that goes down to the level of the soul, that the uh, the joy that comes from those completions of our purpose are uh, really associated with the, the very fiber of our being. Whereas our personalities that we have here in the third density incarnations are meant more to help us navigate our way through the incarnation. And if we can point ourselves in the, the I guess you say, the inner direction of seeking the meaning of life, why we're here, what it all means, and where we're going with it, then we are on the path towards eventually making, as you say, contact with intelligent infinity and experiencing the, the well, as Ross said, the fully experienced presence of the one infinite creator. If we can get our green, blue, and indigo ray energy centers activated and uh, making possibility of using the spirit as a shuttle, then we can contact intelligent infinity and realize what joy is. Uh, and I think... Most people who have made, made that contact can say that joy has a lot to do with feeling the unity of all creation, feeling the, the love that binds us all, the love that is the source from which all of us spring. So happiness, I think, is something that kind of leads us on and leads us around in the incarnation. And if we don't get off the wheel of just looking for happiness, then we, we probably aren't going to find anything more than this uh, shallow level of happiness. If we can get on that spiritual path that we want to get on to complete the lessons we come to learn and uh, the ways we come to serve, then we have a real shot at the, the joy that refreshes and enriches our entire being. Austin, how about you? Those were both incredible answers, I think. Um, we can uh, talk about joy and happiness all we want, but we have to define them kind of within each discussion because you could be talking to somebody else and they say the word joy, and what you take away from our discussion here is probably not what they're going to be talking about. So uh, this is a very um, intricate uh, discussion that we have with words uh, and their definitions. And I think just asking the question of what is the difference between happiness and joy is indicative of a sort of um, spiritual level of evolution in that we are no longer riding the wave of unconscious emotions. We are trying to discern the difference between our experiences in the emotional realm. And this type of question is useful for somebody who wants to become more conscious of these emotions. And at a certain point, when we want to be more conscious of what we experience and why we experience those, questions like these become the most important thing to contemplate. And so I really appreciate this question, Nicholas. 
Um, and I basically agree with Gary and Jim. They both, I think, hit the nail on the head for as far as how I feel about the difference. There are a couple different approaches, I think, to looking at this, though, and uh, there's one of them that I considered where there's a quote from Ra where they say, any entity may at any time instantaneously clear and balance its energy centers. And that, I think, uh, can be seen as possibly a form of happiness, is when there are previously blocked or imbalanced energy centers, and then the entity, whether it it loves, or something new that introduces a new realm of experience to it, a new realm of emotion, or um, just something that's very compatible with its current distortions, it instantaneously clears blockages that were there, and it experiences something that it might call happiness because it seems fleeting, because this entity isn't necessarily the most balanced. It uh, is only finding balance in the moment, and the balance is then uh, gone, eventually. And so in that uh, scenario, I would say that once we find a modicum of balance where we are no longer being uh, dragged around and pulled uh, left and right and back and forth by our emotions, where we find a sort of center of being where uh, we might still have some imbalances and distortions, we find a consistent happiness that can share that space with others. We don't uh, find our energy centers being blocked by our experiences, rather they are more um, uh, energized by our experiences, and we can share the space of emotion alongside with a certain uh, joy in that moment that is not so fleeting. And um, other than that, besides uh, Jim and Gary's answers, I don't think there's uh, much else to say. Jim, did you have any further thoughts to offer that question? No, I think we've got it covered. I wanted to add a couple of quick thoughts, and that's that um, in keeping with what Austin and Jim said about joy and happiness, Austin mentioned fleetingness, Jim mentioned the ephemeral, ephemeral nature of happiness, and it seems that in spiritual circles, those two terms have a certain scale or spectrum to them um, between shallow and deep, and also in terms of its permanence or duration uh, happiness seems to be um happiness comes and goes and whereas joy seems to be a permanent state of affairs um also i wanted to add quickly that in reading the reports of mystics who have contacted and discovered intelligent infinity and have realized who they really are they describe joy as being endless that there is literally no bottom to joy it goes on and on and on and there are no boundaries discovered in that joy and with that we'll move on to our next question that comes from username an1234 via bringforth AN1234 says, I have two questions for in the now. And we will read his or her first question. When following intuition and synchronicity to make decisions and take action, how do you know if the information coming through is from a positive source? If the inpouring of information is mixed, how do you differentiate between negative and positive influences? And lastly, how do you keep the negative influence away? Um, 
due to technical reasons on our end pertaining to microphones, we set a procedure today. So in keeping with that procedure, I will answer first, or rather respond first, and say that in evaluating and measuring the relative polarity of your own intuition and information that you feel is streaming from your guidance system, I think it's helpful to focus less on the potential source of the information, as that will generally remain out of view, and instead to focus on knowing and accepting yourself. The promptings, urges, desires, coincidences, synchronicities, narratives, and pieces of information that seem to enter your field of consciousness are all stemming from and reflections of who you are. You have both positive and negative light and dark within you. You have desires which are service to others and service to self in nature. So the more you understand and accept your own complex of mind, body, and spirit, the more you can more clearly discern the light from the dark and consciously choose the road that you wish to walk. Um, in terms of differentiating between positive and negative, I don't think there are any hard and fast rules, but my own general guidelines are as follows. Whether this comes from within you or from an external source, Positive information uh, tends to inspire thoughts of equality, oneness, compassion, honesty, love, and light. Positive philosophy will promote the respecting and honoring of the free will of all entities, the loving of others as they are, the seeing of things as they really are, but through the eyes of love. And the positive outlook will encourage humility, giving, sharing, and the seeking of one's highest truth through will and faith. Negative information, or perhaps mixed information, um, may and will likely mimic aspects of positive information, but will invariably steer the attention towards negative truths by inspiring thoughts of separation. Negative or mixed philosophy will suggest the formation of the elite or the better than. It will posit that some entity or groups of entities ought to be controlled for their own good and will create a ranking system of superior, inferior, intrinsic worth. Negative or mixed contacts will justify the rightness of manipulation, domination, control of others for the benefit of the self, and will speak of acquiring power for the self in order to wield that over others. There's a lot of, that would be an understatement to say a lot of, and gray area in all of this, but that's the general breakdown you can use to help sift through uh, information. But what it all comes down to is that you have to trust your own sense of resonance and your own heart. If something sounds off or feels negative, then drop that material and spend some time with that which inspires you for positive growth. Or if it's arising from within you, um, reflect and ask yourself why you're feeling that way. What may have triggered that? What um, it is showing to you about where you need to do work in consciousness and to heal and to grow. <clears throat> Jim, how about you? Well, um, intuition to me has always meant that still small voice inside that we hear of so often as being the source of uh, real guidance and uh, helping to people to make decisions that are important, especially on their spiritual journey or actually in, in any endeavor that you happen to be engaged in in your life pattern. And I've never felt that that could be negative in any way. I don't think that negatively oriented entities bother with their intuition. I think that probably the greatest shortcoming, if there is one, of intuition might be that it, we wouldn't be enough informed about the situation we were trying to make decisions concerning 
and the intuition then might not be able to have enough to go on to give us a solid answer. But that can be remedied by simply informing ourselves as much as possible about whatever it is we're concerned about. And then ask ourselves a question and listen to what the intuition or that still small voice has to say. Um, That's basically my point of view. Austin, how about you? I uh, pretty much being something that um, maybe not as impervious to negative influence, but I do think that especially maybe readers of The Law of One, there is a lot of information about negative entities, and particularly with the companion that uh, you three attracted during your work with The Law of One. I think um, there's some people who, uh, for whatever reason, sometimes attach this idea of negative entities influencing their seeking. And I think that there's a bit too much emphasis placed on that. Um, for one thing, the type of attention that you three experienced, from what I understand, was a result of the polarity of the working that you were doing through the raw contact. And that that is not very typical of a normal seeker's experience who might just be getting through life trying to become a more loving and conscious being. It's a very magical working that you guys were doing. And in the raw material... Ra talks about um, greetings that uh, people might experience in this type of work. And it's much less to do with uh, the type of experiences you guys were having and more to do with things like uh, energizing temptation. And I think that is a key point in what AN1234 is asking about, in that uh, they want to know if we can trust the source of intuition. And... Um, it's a big point that no nothing can be energized within you that's not already a part of you. As Gary was talking about, you have these innate desires. Uh, you are all things. You have a shadow side which um, might express itself through your intuition, and it might express itself through your feelings and your heart, and um, it might express itself through temptations. And it's possible that there might be some negative influence in energizing these temptations or desires. But the way that you determine whether or not it's a positive or negative thing is the same, whether or not there's another entity involved in the situation or not. You practice self-inquiry and keep an eye on yourself and always ask yourself, uh, why do I feel this way? Why do I want this situation? And if you have a clear idea of what it means to be a loving being, or if you just have any kind of ideal, it might shift some, but uh, I think it's good to have learn more and experience more. But you have an ideal of what it means to love and to accept, to forgive, and to uh, attempt to understand. And you can weigh your desires and your experiences and maybe your synchronicities that you experience against that ideal and determine whether or not it's a positive thing that you are desiring or that your intuition is pointing you towards. And uh, sometimes our intuition points us towards something that we don't really understand why. And in the end, we realize that we were being pointed towards a lesson that we needed to learn. And sometimes those experiences can seem very negative and seem like bad experiences as we're going through them. But then we get to the end of the experience and we think, I now understand why I had to go through that because 
uh, you're then delivered to a new understanding of life, a new appreciation of what you experienced, and it helped you uh, reach to a more core part of yourself that is able to um, move forward, slightly altered through your experience if you utilize the catalyst, and be a more loving and service-oriented person, or whatever kind of person you want to be, whatever you're striving towards. So I think that um, whether or not there's a negative influence is rather inconsequential because even if there isn't, we're going to have these desires and these uh, temptations and our intuition might point us in directions that might not seem to be positive from our perspective. But as long as we are interpreting Catalyst and utilizing Catalyst in a positive sense, there's nothing we can experience that... uh, can't be positive, essentially. Any more thoughts on that one, Gary? I have a quick one to offer. And in reply to AN1234's, um, the final portion of their question, um, here she says, how do you keep the negative influence away? If protection is a concern of yours, Ra says... Thus we see protection being very simple. Give thanksgiving for each moment. See the self and the other self as creator. Open the heart. Always know the light and praise it. This is all the protection necessary. Jim, any further thoughts on that question? Uh, Just that we need to learn how to uh, trust ourselves and then trust our intuition. We need to be able to rely on those. and, And by keeping our intentions pure, in our efforts, the best we can make, I think we can trust ourselves and trust our intuition. Indeed. And we will finish up the show with AN1234's second question. He writes, I'm starting to realize that it may not be enough to just be of service, and that given the archetypal nature of mind, there are challenges to complete in order to accomplish higher states of consciousness as you work your way through the archetypes. How does one know where she stands in this quest and how best to see and observe life events to prepare for what is to come next? Keeping with our format for this show, I will respond first. And I will respond by reading a passage that's truncated a little bit to shorten the reading. Quo says, you are aware that learning and progress cannot be measured on a conscious level, although your peoples are greatly biased towards this opinion and constantly seek to monitor both themselves and others. We realize it is a difficult thing for your peoples not to attempt to measure the progress made, especially in a spiritual sense. For the seeker who is devoted to the search for the mystery to continue to advance along the path, being aware only of the present moment, of the step that is taken now, not of the steps that were taken yesterday, or those that may be taken tomorrow, or the mountain that is ahead, or the ravine or other such obstacle, but focusing only on the current step, this is a very difficult step for many. And yet is this not the simplest step, my friends. You burden yourself with so many things that are unnecessary to you. You burden yourselves with memories of the past, with anticipations and fears of the future. These do not belong to you in this present moment. We realize the difficulty of laying down these burdens. We would not mean to suggest that it is an easy thing. However, it can be done at any moment, and the freedom known to one who has done so is unsurpassed by anything. Um, and on, I think, um, 
I really enjoyed Quo's thoughts about not measuring yourself there, and it's a theme that you will see repeated throughout their message. And on to the second part of um, um, about preparing for the next step. I'm not sure that we can prepare for the next step, um, and more often than not, we can't even see the next step. Um, and maybe because, too, the next step really is only half-formed, um, and is awaiting the completion of this step, however the step in this sense is measured. Um, We can certainly have plans, visions, and goals for the future and take practical steps to meet those. But if our goal is spiritual evolution, we do not generally get to see what lies ahead while within incarnation. The future is unknown and is constantly shifting and forming according to the choices we make now. I think our best preparation for the next step is to be fully with this step, to bring our awareness into the now, for this is the only place where we will meet our next step. And the more fully we are here and now, the more efficiently we will be prepared to meet and walk the next step. Well, I would say, since I assume I'm up next, that that, um, really don't need to worry too much about the archetypes and all of that. Uh, the first sentence says, I'm starting to realize it may not be enough just to be of service. And I'm assuming the enough is the thinking about harvestability, uh, trying to polarize enough to be harvestable in the positive sense. And you don't need to work at all with the archetypes in order to do that. The archetypes are work of the adept. And this is work that if you feel that you've gotten your, par- your polarity and your harvestability and intact and and you've got it all stored up, then uh, maybe you want to take that journey of the archetypes. But in general, I don't think you need to worry about that. Uh, Facing the daily round of activities with love and acceptance and the willingness to be of service to others is really all we need to be doing. And that is hard enough that uh, uh, it, it probably take up most of our time. I don't think we also need to worry about the future, what the future has to bring. The future is going to bring us what it's supposed to bring us. Uh, What's important for us is to be able to open ourselves to whatever the future brings us and to be able to welcome it and enjoy it as uh, lessons in potential for us to learn, of services and potential for us to offer, and just uh, keep being the the doughty uh, explorer and seeker that moves forward uh, with the intention to learn and to serve however best he or she can. Austin, how about you? As usual, I agree <laughs> with what you guys say. It's, it's tough being number three, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, uh, this position doesn't uh, lend itself to original thoughts. Um, but uh, just, I guess, to emphasize certain things, uh, Ross said in session eight in the first question, each entity will receive the opportunity that each needs. And so then talking about challenges to complete in order to accomplish higher states of consciousness, I would just underline what Gary and Jim have already said, and that these challenges are what will naturally be attracted to you in your lifetime. And uh, asking how to prepare for the next step, I think is sort of um, contradictory to how a seeker uh, grows, in that as we evolve spiritually... Faith becomes such a key part of how we move forward that uh, preparation for a next step would simply be uh, to continue cultivating faith, uh, I think, for some future step. 
the universe, whatever it is that gives you lessons, will probably throw you a curveball, and everything that you prepared for will essentially be useless, and you'll be challenged with a new situation. So I think that um, the way to prepare for the next steps and uh, to know where you stand is to just consistently keep with your practice of meditation and evaluating your life and your emotions and experiencing the things that you desire to experience and um, experiencing new emotions, appreciating your life for what it is, appreciating the strength that you have, appreciating what you've been able to accomplish up to this point, don't look only at the future and the challenges you've yet to meet, but also realize how much you've done so far in this lifetime and previous lifetimes and realize that uh, you do have a certain strength that will continue to grow as you meet new challenges and uh, maintain your faith that you can meet new challenges with an open heart and a strength to persevere through them the strength of the ever-persevering creator. And uh, other than that, I don't think there's much else a seeker can do to prepare for any kind of next step. Jim, do you have any more you would like to add to that? No, I think I'm all done. In that case, would you Uh, like to say goodbye to our listeners? Right. I finally figured out you were probably asking me something along that line. Yes, uh, listeners, thank you so much for listening, and thank you especially for sending in questions. Those are our uh, real blessings, and we are so glad to get them from you. We want you to know we love you all. We hope you have a really good week until we meet again. You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every Wednesday afternoon. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk with you then.